Hello, BIC podcast episode number 55. You will not see it, but new countdown timer to be seen soon at a live stream near you. But in this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about the first round of the playoffs coming up in the NFL. We're still wacko for Flacco, but there's going to be some additional things to talk about. We're going to have a little bit of fun around the horn and then also talk a little bit about the brokenness of the current system. Just give some observations, just a little bit, the beginning of a conversation. So the start of it, because there's a lot of directions we can take into it. So we'll have some fun doing with, into that and probably touch on some more down the road as we add more details and more layers into it. We'll bring some more people in the conversation, but we'll get a starting point. We'll begin with that conversation on this episode of the BSC Podcast. Staring eyes of Brett Favre and the content gods upon us. He'd be very proud that the Green Bay Packers with the youngest team in many, I think the youngest team ever to make a playoff like that. Uh, and the third straight, much to the chagrin of the NFC North, who is silently cursing and loudly cursing. Um, the Packers have made the playoffs. They were able to get in there. I'll talk a little bit about the roller coaster side of it. But before I do, uh, gentlemen, so Brendan, so now is the opportunity. We're entering first round by but you can start scouting opponents and things. How are you feeling entering into the wild card weekend forthcoming? I don't like it. I, I don't like that they sat Lamar. Um, and then they have the bye week. So that's two weeks that he's not going to be playing. I said it before, like even knowing that they were going to set him. I said it, I was talking about it in the discord. The same scenario happened in 2019. They had the best record in the league. Lamar won MVP. They sat him last week of the season. They had the bye week. They came in first playoff game, got smoked by the Tennessee Titans. Um, now, I will say it's kind of interesting because if cards fall the way they may and the Buffalo Bills, well, I don't, I don't think things changed with Buffalo beating Miami, but if I'm not mistaken, if Buffalo and um, Pittsburgh lose, and if the Browns beat Houston, then the Browns would be playing Baltimore in the first game, and it would be Flacco against the Ravens, which that would be pretty spicy. <laughs> I think I think I think I've got I see divided allegiances there. We've already we've already discussed that this is a pro wacko for Flacco podcast. And it's like, I don't know how would you feel about this thing. So that's a potential matchup. We're definitely gonna have to look at that and see how that turns out. It was fun having some stuff to play for. It was good. It was funny as the last two years, the Packers were there with a win and you're in scenario. And last year they didn't win, and this time around they were able to do it, especially with all the young players and everything into it. Uh fortunately, I can guarantee that uh Eric's team, the New England Patriots, will give up zero points on wildcard weekend. <laughs> I think the defense will shut out whoever they're facing in wildcard weekend. So I think we we are confident in that. You can book that ticket to take it all the way to the house. The Patriots have a lot to be made fun of uh, this year. The defense is not one of them, though. Defense was remarkable this year. Um, I think they're one of the best defenses in the league. I think their defense is, is Super Bowl caliber. Uh, their offense could not beat a high school JV team um, of a bunch of blind kids. So... Mm. Uh, so, you know, it, it's really been just horrible to watch this season. It's very, very disappointing. Um, it, it's just, you know, and then this past, uh, you know, weekend, 
Mac Jones, who started the season as the starting quarterback, um, was third on the depth chart on uh, Sunday's game. He was not even the backup. They hate him so much now that the, he is the third uh, in the depth chart. And, uh, I, I just think I just don't think it's it's overly fair. Um, the offense has no no zero offensive line, uh, no wide receivers to throw to, no tight ends to throw to. Um, it's just horrible, horrible, horrible. Every single position, horrible, and somehow this kid's getting blamed for all of it. And um, you know the fans have turned on him, the team has turned on him, and. I, I don't think Tom Brady in his prime um, could have made this team a 500 team. They're just horrible on offense. There are two things that struck me from that entire soliloquy. First, I, I, I struggle to equate Tom Brady in prime. Yes. Uh, you know, I feel like he was the same level suck the whole time, oh, the whole shit. time. Now, now, second though, second though, uh, I, I was actually going to blame Tom Brady for it. So, so this makes it kind of awkward, problematic. I was actually just going to blame Tom Brady for the whole problem. But I do have one question for you, okay. uh, because then we'll move on from the New England Patriots. So do you or do you not want Bill Belichick back in some capacity? I'm not saying in both roles, because a lot of folks talk about at this mm -hmm. point, like general managing, he should get away from it now. Please step away from step away from the button, sir. But coaching, there's no reason to believe he can't coach. He seems still perfectly capable of doing, especially coaching defense. That's kind of his thing that he does. Which, and he seems perfectly capable of doing that. So in theory, if you just step away from the step away from the lever, don't get, get away from. Let somebody else pick the players. Yeah. You just coach them. Just do that. Yeah, I think uh, I, I people have been saying that for many years, even when Brady was here, um, that uh, that he's not the best GM in the history of the league. He's the best coach in the history of the league, and. It, but you know, it goes all the way back to his mentor and previous um Patriots coach Bill Parcells, who once said, If if they expect you to cook the meal, then you should be allowed to shop for the groceries. And you know, Bill Belichick has the same philosophy. If you expect me to to to, to run this team, I need to pick who's who's gonna be on it. And you know, he's definitely had some winners. Uh, over the years I mean you just look at Brady who was like picked in like the sixth round or something you know I mean he saw the talent there he's made some good moves over the years but this guy really has it, it has gone downhill in that department over the last few um and this it, this offense every single player on the uh, on the offensive side of the ball was just absolutely horrible so the question was, do you vote to bring him back if you were able to get that condition or no? Um, I'd like to see him come back. I mean, only only because who are you going to replace him with? Who's better? Find me a better coach that 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 is obtainable, that the Patriots are going to get, that's going to turn everything around next year. I think it's obvious play. to me. I think it's obvious to me if the first round of the playoffs go the way that I want, uh, I could see Mike McCarthy being available. Uh, he, he's, I hear he's great. He's yeah, fantastic yeah. with clock management. He's fantastic. He's awesome. Yes, right. He's very enthusiastic, wow. and that would amuse me to no end. No, he, he <laughs> would not be welcome here under any circumstances. Um, so, 
who if you can if 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 somebody would maybe with a greater football mind than I can tell me what coach is out there that is available and is better than Bill Belichick that could replace him, tell me. Because right now I can't think of any. So why do you want to get rid of him? I'll book Eric then as a reluctant yes. So I'll I'll shift over to kind of the wildcard weekend and the way this one's going to play out. We'll have to see how a lot of these teams go because we're already starting to see some of the personnel movement. I think, uh, I think it was the, I want to say was, was it the Atlanta Falcons coach who got, who got bounced uh, already? First, first one out of the block. Uh, Understandably so he didn't do a very good job. Uh, He he didn't ascend Desmond Ritter, the greatness that some of us were hoping for. So that, that unfortunately didn't come to pass. So that's a shame. You know, that's, that's maybe this will fix it. This will, this will be the, the change that's required over there. But we're going to start seeing the coaching carousel pick up pace. But before we get all that, we still got some football, or as I like to call it, bonus football, because in this case, I wasn't expecting it. So, so there was no expectation. But we got a little bit of bonus football. I'm going to pull up the um, – so I'm going to quickly talk about the Packers here for a little bit, but then I'm going to shift over and I'm going to look at the matchups. So we're going to have a little fun. We're actually going to do a little pick them for the first round. We'll just do the first round. I'll, we'll look at the matchups that we got, and we assume that Eric could possibly do worse than the NHL. Fortunately, his NFL expertise supersedes that of his NHL expertise, so he cannot possibly mathematically do worse. (laughs) We hope. We think. We hope. We think. But we'll see. So real quick, I won't spend too much time on it, I promise. I won't bore you all with it. I will say that I've been very pleased with the way the year has worked out, obviously, with the the way it went. I I predicted the Packers for five wins because I expect a certain amount of regression. What's weird, when I went through the whole year, the whole season, there were different there was like different stretches and it was very much it was described as kind of a roller coaster it 100 was like the season itself was literally a roller coaster by definition they start off the year beating chicago handedly so they bookended the year beating chicago the first game actually looked pretty good then they base barely lost to atlanta who i just mentioned their head coach is now gone uh but then they managed to do a comeback win in new orleans and then they had a stretch of time where in the first half of games they were literally not scoring I remember making fun of that fact while we were doing this already by that point where they literally weren't scoring in the first half of games. By the way, I'll, I'll go through some of Jordan Love's stats at the end, which is incredibly shocking given that the fact there was a stretch of that. Well, they literally went a month. They went four games where they were where they lost to Detroit, lost to Las Vegas, lost to Denver, who were terrible, and lost, and lost to Minnesota comfortably by two touchdowns, and that was flattering. So there was a stretch there of over a month where they could – basically not have looked much worse they look absolutely atrocious so it looked like they were they were two and five they were dead in the water the five win prediction looked pretty good then of course as you do they win they win a random game against los angeles they're in the middle of it all right they lose to pittsburgh but then they reel off three victories they beat the chargers they beat detroit and they beat kansas city in back to back to back weeks so all of a sudden now you're sitting there at six and six and it's like okay so now you got danny devito Spoiler on what happened with that one. So you got the game against the New York football giants, and then you got Tampa where like, you know, who will see what happens. And Tampa is a playoff team, you know, despite everything, they're a playoff team at least, but they lost to Danny DeVito. And I know it's not Danny DeVito. I'm still going to call him that until further notice, but they lost to them and they lost to Tampa. And then they reeled off three wins. They basically ran the table at the end of the season to make the playoffs. So they beat Carolina barely by three points. They made Carolina look pretty good. They made Danny DeVito look pretty good. They, it was a struggle all season. You beat Minnesota and you beat Chicago. So you play two division opponents in order to get to the playoffs at the very end of it. That's the definition of a roller coaster. You had three wins in a row, four losses in a row, and within the same season. You had separate stretches of all that. 
Now, in the end, that gets you nine and eight, which was enough to get you into the playoffs. But it was weird, man. It was it was all of this. And by the time it was all said and done, 4,100 yards passing, second in the league in touchdown passes. That's pretty good. And better than the first full season under Rodgers and better than the full floor season under the not swell fellow himself, the patron saint of the podcast, Brett Favre. So very good. Well, obviously the hype is big for that, but now they're going to roll in. So first round, you're going to play Dallas. Uh, now the thing is, I, I I could pitch you a scenario where that becomes really interesting. It's it's the Mike McCarthy revenge tour. Does Mike McCarthy, you know, get his get his vengeance against the against the Green Bay Packers? But on the other hand, it's the Dallas Cowboys, and they find a lot. Look, the rant, the respective rants from Skip Bayless and Stephen A. Smith. If the Dallas Cowboys don't win, I'm going to remind you at the same time that I said that I praise the that I praise the D, the offense. I'm I'm in the bizarro reverse situation of the Patriots that Eric just described. The defense really sucked. For large stretches of that, they were horrific. They were terrible. They made average quarterbacks look great. Dak Prescott is a good quarterback. Their offense is pretty good. So in theory, they should score 50. (laughs) They should be able to roll right up and down. However, if you play a game, even though it's the Chicago Bears and they're not on the same level, if you play a game similar to what you play against the Bears where you're doing these long sustained drives, a lot of Aaron Jones, running the ball, running the ball, and mixing in the passing game and doing all that. Six and seven minute drives and, and Dallas is sitting on the sideline. The offense is sitting there waiting to do something. You could turn it into a punching, slugging game where you could you could take it from them. You could steal it from them, which would, of course, drive Dallas insane. And the NFC North would literally be working on their voodoo curses, going, how? Why? Three. It's, it's been 30 years. Why? Why is it one quarterback after the Bears are literally like, we've never had one quarterback. One. They really haven't. Like, if you look through the history, that person, he was fantastic. I, I was more of a Jay Cutler guy. <laughs> that was, yeah, but, um, Rex Grossman's a Super Bowl quarterback. Jim McMahon. Come Jim on. McMahon. Jim McMahon won a Super Bowl. That's true. Against the Patriots and the most lopsided victory of all time. Yes. Yeah, but I don't think anybody looked at Jim McMahon as the reason why that happened. It was not. I think it's easier to look at Refrigerator Perry. Yes, <laughs> I'm way more inclined to look at him. As, but the point is this. Their, their history with, with the quarterbacks, not great. Minnesota is trying to figure out what its situation is. Detroit right now is in a good spot, to their credit. They've done very well for themselves. And we'll see what happens. But like I said, I don't have any weird illusions of it. I expect Dallas to take care of business. But, I, but like I said, the only scenario I see is if you run the ball and you do the uh, game management side of it. Basically, if you play the game you played against the Chicago and don't make the same mistakes, you could make Dallas's life very difficult. But the path is very difficult because even if you do that, well, then you get San Francisco right after. So it's not a, it's not a very easy path no matter what. You're, you're on house money anyway. So I, I just look forward to a good game. That'd be a lot of fun. And we'll have to see how that plays out. Maybe, maybe Brandon is right. Maybe if San Francisco is really poorly rested, if they can get past Dallas... It's like, you guys rested for too long. That's it. Could you imagine, though, Eric, there is an outside, there's an alternate reality, an alternate universe where Green Bay figures out how to do this. They beat two legitimate teams on the way there. Mm -hmm. What if it's Green Bay and Detroit in the NFC Championship game? Literally the entire NFC North would light themselves on fire. They would literally light themselves on fire. They're like, no, we're not doing this. Go ahead, Brandon. Let, let, let's reflect on how, since we're doing the whole wacko for Flacco thing, True. let's reflect on that Super Bowl run because 
He had three games, came in as a wild card team, was on the road all three games, had to beat the likes of Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, make the Super Bowl, and then play the 49ers, who were hot as hell that year, had a great team, and had never lost the Super Bowl. It's possible. Is it uh, going I, to happen for for not like No, I I would not knows, put my money on. But it's possible. I, I'm 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 a, I'm just indulging myself in a in a bit of whimsy. Like I I am not predicting that. But I'm just saying, Eric, for the sake of the narrative, though, it would be a pretty sweet narrative. It'd be in the NFC. That'd be kind of it. Literally, the Detroit Lions fans are like, no, not again. Avert our eyes. Why? And. Can I just uh, also make sure that I clarify? Um, the Ravens had a great season. It's nice having, you know, the record they have. It's nice having the first round by in the playoffs. All of those things are very nice. But it still was a crap season. It still was for a lost cause. Even with the Super Bowl, this is a black eye if they win because they lost to the Steelers twice. Both games, 17 to 10. I've always said the Ravens could win two games all year, but if they beat the Steelers both times, it was a successful season. This time they got a great record, but they lost to the Steelers twice. Two of their four losses were to the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's unacceptable, unexcusable. The season sucked. Just terrible. Uh, I feel that Brandon is the opposite of bastion of positivity, Eric. Mm, the opposite very of bastion of positivity. Very, very negative, yes. But like I said, uh, just to be clear, I am not predicting anything that I just said. Like uh, That was me just having a little fantasy booking fun. Uh, but I will say the narrative would be fantastic. And literally watching the Detroit fans being like, you, you can, you'd literally be able to see them like, no, the bat, we said, you said the Batman wasn't going to get us anymore. No. <laughs> it'd be fantastic. It'd be, it'd be glorious. I, 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 and then, like I said, on the other side, if, you, if you're looking and it's not Wacko for Flacco or Baltimore or whatever, uh, Green Bay's beaten Kansas City. They also beat they, – they're one and one against Detroit this year. So, like, I don't – there's some teams in the AFC that are legit that I think would be interesting. But, again, flawed as they are, I don't sweat most of those matchups. They have already beaten Kansas City this year. So it's one of those things where it's like, we'll see. I just want to see Dallas lose and Kansas City lose. Because I, I – despise dallas and i want all the swifties to cry wow i see that explains it all right so what i've done so my my fantasy booking segment is now over here is the actual brackets that i put here on the screen i'm going to read them out so that we're all going so we're going to do our first round prediction so this is what the first round looks like we got baltimore and san francisco at the top with buys so they're going to be off this round they don't have to worry about anything they got to sit around and watch and scout their opponents that's all they got to do for their purposes of it so we're going to start off on the left. So I'm going to go through each one of these, and you gentlemen can pick uh, which one you want to go with. So first, we're going to have the fun one for the Discord. This is what I like to call the Neo and Sports Card Anonymous Bowl. We got Cleveland and Wacko for Flacco, the movement lives, versus the Houston Texans and C.J. Stroud. You know, the young gun. You know, uh, th th this could be big. Brandon, this could be big for the carts. This could be huge. We could get the Wacko for Flacco could take the movement, could take another level up, getting Cleveland forward in a round or CJ Stroud with a great performance. That could be monsters for some of the prism. When we get to the section about talking about boxes and breaks and everything, we'll talk a little bit about football prism because that's a thing that obviously played into it. So this could be big for the card side of things. Uh, a good performance by either one of the quarterbacks here could be huge. So 
gentlemen, I'll go third here on this one, and then I'll go first on the next one, and we'll alternate. All right, Brandon, Cleveland, Houston, who do you have in the Discord Bowl? Cleveland. Going Cleveland? We're back off of Flacco going to the next round? Yep. They've looked too right. good. Houston, they got you know they got a good young team, but they struggled in that last game to limp in. Um, they've they've got kinks in their armor. Cleveland, Flacco, like they have the momentum. Yes, he's sad this week, um, but they they've looked good. They've looked confident. Cleveland. All right. Eric, are you in the same boat, or do you want to go Houston? Flacco for Flacco, Cleveland. All right. So I'll complete the trilogy. But I will say this. So for, for my personal preference, in this case, for the narrative, I'm going to pick Cleveland. But I'll tell you this. If it was a matter of putting money on it, I would seriously look at the odds. And whoever's the underdog, I would probably take the flyer on it and take the odds. That's how I would play this. Three hundred. It's going to be a good game. Yeah. Odds a game. Yeah. 300. And 50 yards a game. You you can't no. There's plenty no. of talent on these in this one, and it's gonna be fun. Uh, what I'm hoping for here, I, I want this game to be good. And it's like Brandon, I'm gonna keep pressuring these guys. I want Neo to do a live, I want Dakota to be on it, and I want them to curse lob curses at each other. We all want that. That's the content we need. That's what the content gods want. Now, I'm gonna go to the second one here. Before I do it, though, I want to make sure we appreciate and speaking of good content. I want to thank our friends at AMG Collectibles, amgcollectibles.ca, and the AMG Collectibles YouTube channel. The reason I'm doing this right now is we're going to talk about content. If you go to the AMG Collectibles YouTube channel, we're going to talk about it a little bit more later on. We opened a case of the cup, 2122 the cup. If you want to see what $7,200 retail gets you, you can see from the thumbnail, yikes. <laughs> and again, we'll reference this again. But Lots of people have been checking it out. That video has done very has been very popular on the channel. I will be back on the channel with the with the folks from AMG Collectibles tomorrow, and we will talk a little bit about that. But the plan is actually to have some follow up videos related to it as well. We want to talk about the value proposition. In this case, spoiler: the case didn't work out that great. But if you want to see specifically what was pulled in it, all thirty six cards, you get a chance to check it out on the channel if you want to look at it. Link is in the description. Check it out, and then there will be some subsequent follow up videos because I think they're going to auction off all of the cards in that particular break and we're going to see what comes out of it this is how much the cost would have been this is what comes out of it and you're going to get some numbers and i think that'd be interesting for folks to check out so you've got that so thanks amg for supporting the channel and this podcast yeah now, i want to thank i want to thank sherry and the folks over at a sherry i want to thank sherry mm. uh, uh sherry uh and the folks over at amg and sherry uh for for doing that it was very entertaining thank you for putting uh you know yeah, that that kind of cost up and 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 sacrificing for for our entertainment. So I want to thank Sherry and uh, and the folks over at AMG for that. Amazing, amazing. So yes, if you do want to live vicariously, what is it's a very expensive product and the highest end product in the hockey market, check it out. And like I said, link will be in the description if you want to check that out as well. Now, next up, we got Miami taking on Kansas City. Now, this one has a little bit of a discord element because Brandon may have horribly tortured an individual, a tortured soul, <laughs> who is a Miami Dolphins fan. There's a lot of Miami Dolphins fans that I do happen to know, a couple of different ones. And also, Brad8671 is also a Miami Dolphins fan. Here, So, so what I'm going to do is I'll start off, and then I'll ask Eric, and then I'll ask Brandon. So we'll just reverse the order from this last one. So we're going to go with, I'm going to go with Kansas City. Uh, not only because the pain of this individual will be amusing to me, 
But also realistically, now that it is the playoffs, I think they're going to be able to bunker down. I still believe Andy Reid is an excellent coach, and I think they will figure out a way to adapt and adjust. But Kansas City, to be clear, when we get into subsequent rounds, if they manage to get past this round, also Miami is super banged up. Like they're super banged up. So we just have to be realistic about that. I think Kansas City's got enough in it in them to, to offer a spirit of defense here. But again, nothing will shock me in this round. There is no scenario you can present to me that would truly shock me. I expect Kansas City to take care of business here. That's my angle. Eric, what say you? Uh, I'm going to go with Miami. I, I've watched, uh, I think, just every single Kansas City game because, you know, they're, they're televised every week nationally. And they've really had some ups and downs. Their offense has struggled. Um, you know, when it, when it's on, it's on. But I've, I've seen it more off this season than I have in past seasons. And Miami is just lighting things up right now. That combination of uh, Tua and, um, you know, the super fast wide receiver who's I'm missing his name at the moment. Top of my head. I apologize. Um, is just incredible. You know who he, of course he used to play for Kansas city and be um, Mahomes uh, number one guy. And now he's in Miami and he's two is number one guy. And it's, the stuff that they're doing on the field is, is just incredible. Now in the spirit of fairness, I am going to again, repeat. So are you not taking into account that Buffalo, the Buffalo beat Miami last night and we're not taking into account any of the injuries. No, because Waddle was seen on the sideline. Jalen Waddle is one of the folks you were referring to. He's been injured. He's banged up. There's a bunch of folks in the defensive side that are injured. Some pass rushing issues. No, there are some, there are some potential issues there. I think I think Miami, you know, it's the playoffs. Guys are going to tape it up, get the needle, and uh, they'll show up. And Kansas City has been more discombobulated this season than I've seen them in years. And um, I think they're ripe for ripe for a first round knockout. All right, Brandon, I tried. <laughs> what say you? So those two teams, Miami and Buffalo, swapped because of the outcome of the game last night. So yep. earlier, my statement of who needed to lose to get Cleveland playing Baltimore scenario yep. was off. I'm going to go Kansas City, but I'm going for a different reason. One, yes, they're banged up. They, they've struggled. They got demolished by the Ravens. They lost last night. Um, and as Eric mentioned, Tyreek Hill used to play for Kansas City, so Andy Reid is very familiar with Tyreek's strengths and probably has a game plan of some sort to try to, you're not going to stop him, but you know, somewhat limit him of, of some sort. So that is a factor there that can benefit Kansas City. Also, I don't, I'm not up on my national weather, but I know there's been cold fronts coming through some bad weather coming through and that would play better in the hands of kansas city than it would obviously miami so for those reasons i'm going to take kansas city Hmm. now i also will say based on the way the brackets here go out if kansas city takes care of business if buffalo takes care of business so we'll touch on that in a second and if Cleveland, if the Wagner for Flacco movement carries on, we do still have the ability to get that Cleveland-Baltimore second-round right. matchup. That is still in play. So it's, so if everything else goes chalk and the Cleveland one goes the minor upset, because I'm going to call it a minor upset. Cleveland has been play, playing well. 
And Houston was able to play in, so to their credit. They're the four seed. The four seed and the five seed, though, to me, are not that far apart. I do like a lot of what Cleveland has going on. We talked about that already. For the narrative also, I love that. So we'll see. So that leaves us with the last matchup here in the AFC. We got Pittsburgh taking on Buffalo. I'll touch on one point here that, that kind of plays into it. Buffalo obviously had to win against Miami to take it in. But Miami, as I said, was super banged up. Buffalo did take care of that. They have shown a lot of propensity to create a lot of issues. There was one point that was made that was kind of interesting. Uh, it was mentioned this score, but it was also mentioned, I think, in some social medias was that uh, Josh Allen became the first quarterback to total 40 touchdowns, to account for 40 touchdowns in four consecutive seasons. That is both passing and running. So rushing and passing touchdowns combined. There have been players who have had 40 touchdowns throwing in consecutive years. I think Rodgers and Brady are the only two that have done that three times. Well, Josh Allen has managed to combine. So obviously, if you run in a touchdown or throw a touchdown, the touchdown still counts. And if you're the one generating that, that's interesting. Josh Allen is a pretty good runner in terms of rushing touchdowns, being as big as he is. He can he can rumble his way into the – but that is a physical style of game that may not serve him in the long run, running into collisions uh, You know, at the, at the end zone at the line of scrimmage. No, no. Yeah. He's not playing 20 years like Brady. No way. But to his credit, though, that does allow you to accumulate it. The other thing with Josh Allen, the big bugaboo, he is a turnover machine. He gives up a lot of turnovers because he will run. That means he has an opportunity to fumble. And he does throw interceptions. So that gives him an opportunity to give up possessions that way. Pittsburgh managed to get into the playoffs here, kind of limped into it. But in the end, okay, so does Pittsburgh have enough in it to, to knock off Buffalo? Buffalo is not exactly a strong number two. They're, they're the number two seed, but they're not like this strong, unbeatable number two. They've had plenty of flaws in their game. So, Brandon, you're first on this one. What do you say you? Buffalo. And you're not just, just saying that because you want to avoid the wacko for Flacco movement? You want Pittsburgh? <laughs> Pittsburgh's not that good of a team. I mean, it, we don't even know who the hell their quarterback's going to be. Um, they barely, like I just mentioned, they beat the Ravens, yes, but they beat the Ravens that were on the bench, you know, resting they didn't beat the actual team so and they barely beat them it was 17 to 10 so buffalo like even josh allen could probably throw two interceptions and still be fine and, and still beat pittsburgh um you know miami yes they're beat up but they just beat miami with tua and you know tyreek pittsburgh doesn't have that combination so i still think buffalo is a better team um, you know, yeah, they got flaws, but yeah, Buffalo. All right, Pittsburgh. Now you know you got bulletin board material. Brandon doesn't believe in you. He he wants he I, wants I to avoid the wacko for Flacco. <laughs> Eric, I see what's going on here. He's like, no, please, Pittsburgh. It's like I need. It's like I need you. I need you. I, I want. It's like I want the lower seed. Eric, what say you? Uh, it's it Buffalo. Uh, if they lose to this Pittsburgh team this year. This is going to be one of the worst losses in Buffalo's playoff history since Scott Noward missed that field goal. So um, I, I think if Buffalo loses to Pittsburgh in the first round, this Pittsburgh team, which is not very strong, um, they should blow the whole team up and start again. It, it would be a huge, huge loss. You can't just you can't just uh, go in the locker room and say, well, you know, we had a good year and and, uh, you know, we'll start focusing on next year right away. And no, no, it's we all should just go kill ourselves. Wow. Just, yeah, wow. It, it would be absolutely devastating. They should blow the whole franchise up if they lose to Pittsburgh. Wow. 
I don't think I want to go quite that dramatic. Eric is a bastion positivity for 2024, having people kill themselves. Like it's 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 a pretty dark time in this timeline when we got that going on. Uh, I I expect Buffalo should be able to take care of this one, but you never know. Like I said, I, I don't. You could sell me on a lot of these scenarios. I will pick Buffalo for the purpose of this conversation because we secretly all want Cleveland and Baltimore in round two. That's what we all want. Oh yeah, it's it's what needs to happen. I think for all our collective sakes. Yes, yes, yes. To be clear, I don't want it. I just said it would be spicy. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Well, to be fair, the rest of us do want it. Yes. To be fair, <laughs> the rest of us do want it. We would like that very it. much. Everyone want. Yeah, the, I mean, the Baltimore Cleveland fans want it. The players want it. Uh, yeah. It, it's it's not only a Flacco versus Baltimore thing. It's a Cleveland versus Baltimore. Oh, moving out of town. I, I love. Yeah. yeah, Brandon, I love it, it on would, levels. It I love it on multiple levels. <laughs> I love it on multiple levels. I enjoy it on multiple levels. I think, wow, chef's kiss. I like it. All right, let's move yeah, on like to the, the NFC. Baltimore plays the Colts, too, at any time, because the fans, you know, they still remember, you know? Yeah. They, they have reason to be bitter. It's legit. They have, re- they have reason to be bitter. That's legit. All right, moving over to the NFC. We got San Francisco gets the buy on that side of things. So first out of the block here, we have Philadelphia and Tampa Bay. So Tampa Bay, you know, not exactly amazing down the stretch. They met, they got in. The point is they're in the tournament. However you want to slice it, they are in the tournament. Uh, Philadelphia has had its own struggles too, and they've got some injury woes. So there's a lot going on there. I'm not super comfortable with – so, again, I've mentioned before, I like gambling. So I've got I've got sports book online that I can do stuff. And I'm going to look at some of these matchups very carefully, and I'm going to try my best. to. When I'm, when I'm making these wagers, I'm not just doing it for narrative. I'm doing, like, what I legitimately think because I want to win. <laughs> the point of betting on the sports book, I want to win the wager. So I pick what I think is going to happen. I I, I believe that – so I'll, I'll pick first on this one. I believe Philadelphia should be able to win this. All those injuries, though, bother me. And even the Philadelphia guys that I know don't have a lot of confidence in this one. So I'm, I'm going to go with the Tampa Bay Bakers. I don't like it. It doesn't make me feel comfortable. And I would not bet on this game. I, this is me staying away. For wagering purposes, I'm staying the hell away from this game. I don't like it. I don't care what the line is. I don't care what it looks like. I want no part of this. I will reluctantly pick Tampa Bay. That's where I'm sitting at. So, Eric, what do you think? Tampa Bay, Philadelphia. I'm going Tampa Bay. Philadelphia, I believe, has lost the last seven games in a row after starting 10-0. and um, Thought they were going to be the next undefeated team. They're like already given the Super Bowl. Uh, I think the rings were already being made on week 10. And then they went and lost like seven in a row. So, um, they're not going to go to Tampa Bay and all of a sudden turn things around. No, they're done. They're done. They're, they're, they have, they have, they have no life left. They are miserable. I don't think they have, I don't think they believe in themselves. Uh, you know, they just want to hit the golf course. They're done. I see. I think, I think Brandon is subtle, but I think Eric is saying they're done. What do you think? I think this is a coin flip. I'm going to go against the grain, and I'm going to say, yes, Philadelphia has looked like crap. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think – I hate to do hashtag script, but I think the NFL mm-hmm. would much rather Philadelphia advance. <laughs> and so – for those reasons, I'm going Philly. I, I think they have to win. The, it's not going to be – I think it's going to be a close game, but I think Philly will win, or they should win. 
but I'm going against the grain. So yeah, we'll go Philly. All right. At least hey, look, it's that means somebody's gonna get it right. I, I don't mind when somebody goes against the grain. At least it offers us the opportunity for someone to go to so someone else. Somebody someone's gonna be correct here. We're gonna find out what that's gonna look like. All right, that takes us to the Rams and Detroit. Look, uh, this is both narrative and the fact that it could be potentially very entertaining. I want to I want the dream. I want the dream of my narrative of the entire NFC North slowly hating themselves. Let's let, let's do it, Lions. Let's go. We we want this. Let's make this happen. Uh, this is this is also the Stafford Bowl, right? So we've got the Stafford Bowl going on here. So we've got that. That could be kind of fun. All right, Detroit. Let's go. I'm giving this one to you because I want to see. I'm going to cross my fingers for the other part of this equation. But let's go. Let's go to the Stafford Bowl. Beat Stafford. Make it happen. Advance to the next round, and let's see what happens here. We could have a little bit of fun with this one. That's what I'm going to go with. So, Brandon, you right back to you on this one. Detroit, the Rams, what say you? I'm sorry, Detroit. It took you 30 years to get there. I'm going with the Rams. Wow, <laughs> just, Barry Sanders is rolling in his grave, and he's still alive. I mean, they haven't looked good either. I know they got that three seed sitting there, but, like, they, they've been kind of questionable. It, we've talked about it earlier in the year, how it was like an unpredictable season. They looked great it for is. a bit. Looked like they were a very good team, and then they looked like they forgot how to play football. They're not used to the playoffs. It's January. Um, they, you know, they, they should have been already tucked in bed by now. That's what they're used to by Thanksgiving. Um, yeah, I got to go with the Rams. All right. Eric, Rams, Detroit. Uh, no, Detroit at home. Um, there is no way those fans will allow them to lose. This is going to be the loudest, craziest game um, that has that has been in been in the league in in, in a very very long time. Um, if somehow Detroit loses this game, I I predict there being riots like Vancouver um, in 2000. Well, I'll have you know, I, I can tell you right now, I, I have a good line on it. Uh, Vancouver is prepared to riot in sympathy. Uh, They're ready. I, they made the, like a sister city kind of a thing. Yeah. The, yeah. The, anytime anybody loses in horrific fashion, Vancouver is like yeah. on standby. They're like, we will sympathy riot for you people. I, I, I honestly hope that the authorities in Detroit are prepared if they were to lose at home. What, to protect the ruins? Yeah. It's like, Eric, I have actually gone to a game at Ford Field. There's, like, ruins outside. It's like, what are they going to do? Destroy the ruins? They're going to destroy the ruins? Pipe. What, ruin them more? you got to protect the lead pipes. You know, the water pipes with all the lead in them and stuff. And the, and the empty factories and the burnt-down houses. you got to protect like, them. I'm, I'm, sure I'm sure they've rebuilt it. I'm sure it's very nice. But I'm just saying, I went to Ford Field, went to the game, and on the way walking there, you walked by a post-apocalyptic thing. And that was years ago. Right. It's not good. Not <laughs> it's good. like, that's a try. <laughs> but, it, you know, I, I think if, if Detroit is to lose their next game, I think people would be like, all right, hey. We had we, that was a lot of fun this year. That was a good run. If they lose this game, the Stafford Bowl, at home, the, there's gonna the cars will be set on fire. Man, it's gonna be rough. It's gonna be rough. That that might that might like cause at least dozens of dollars worth of property damage. What's left? Well, it's gonna, it's gonna be, be a crazy. news because, like I said, the Rams are winning. The no. fans can be as loud as they want. No. Matt Stafford played there. He knows those fans are the same people that have showed up and supported the team for years. 
Yeah. But now the they're Rams actually excited. They've been supporting a losing franchise for years. Now they're excited. They're not going to let Detroit lose. They are going to be the the 12th man, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Like we have to said, say, this is going to be interesting. For the Rams. Uh, I, I, I enjoy I enjoy that we got a little bit of contra- controversy, a little contradiction in there. That this could this could be like I said, guys, this first round amuses me. I'm, I'm enjoying I like this first round. To be honest, I like it. And I like the potential scenarios to play out of this. So I like this. All right. Last one here on the docket on the NFC. So you know, two versus seven. We got Green Bay and Dallas. I'll make this easy. I I I would wager on Dallas to win this. I expect them to win it. I laid out a scenario where Green Bay could, like Dallas is Dallas is flawed. They're number two, but they've got plenty of flaws on them. It's the same as the Buffalo on the other side of it. They've got some flaws too. And anytime Mike McCarthy is there and it's the playoffs, I'm like, ooh, ooh. And I know from personal experience, I'm like, ooh, you could totally screw this up. I could see you doing something crazy. Some weird clock management bullshit. Like there's so much stuff that could happen. And it'd be like, if, if Green Bay comes out of this, it would not shock me. But at the same time, given how bad their defense has been, Joe Barry, for the majority of this year, if Dallas put up 40 or 50 on him, it would also not shock me. There is no scenario that you could sell me. If I'm putting my money on it, I will bet on Dallas, not because I think Dallas is great or because I like Dallas. I want them to lose. I would love that. Nothing more than that. But if I'm betting money and I'm trying to win, I'm looking at the defense and defense is a little suspect. That's why I laid out that scenario. I said, if the Green Bay D offense controls the clock by running the ball enough to keep possession and they don't let the Dallas offense get on the field for the, for chunks of time and lets Dak Prescott and those guys sit there and go like, when are we actually going to get back out there? Then I like their chances a lot better. I like, you know, I need a hev- heavy dose of Aaron Jones. You give me a heavy dose of Aaron Jones, I like your chances. If it's back and forth and you're trying to do a shootout thing, I don't like your chances as much. So I'll pick Dallas. Brandon, what do you say? Uh, I have to go Dallas for no other reason. I mean, Green Bay, they got in. Congrats to them. But as I stated with the Philly-Tampa Bay thing, the NFL, you know, hashtag script, would want Dallas to play Philly, and it just makes sense. So, All right. All right. Eric, last one here. Green Bay-Dallas would say you. I will be rooting for Green Bay. I am picking Dallas. (laughs) (laughs) It's fair. I get it. I think it'd be interesting. This is uh there's some potential here. Like I said, for me, the to be fair though, Brandon, from what you're saying about narrative though, you gotta admit the Green Bay Dallas is like a classic, you know, NFL rivalry. By the way, if you want a good over-under, how about over-under the amount of times they reference the ice bowl and some of the and some of but, the previous Green Bay Dallas games, especially yeah. playoff games and big games? But I was just looking at the picks, right? And and yeah, I'm joking, but not joking. Kind of like that sorry, not sorry thing on the script. But look at the matchups. If if it played out the way that I picked here, Flacco versus Baltimore, Cleveland versus Baltimore. Great story there. Then you would have Mahomes versus Josh Allen. They could, you know, blast that one and advertise that to the masses. Then you would have Philly and Dallas, a division rivalry, you know, defending Super Bowl appearance with Philly, Dallas, America's team, yada, yada. All of the narratives would work them work themselves out for the NFL and the stories and everything else. So. I'll just say I kind of like the I kind of like the historical back to back of da- of Dallas Green Bay and then and then Green Bay and San Francisco because they've also had some previous playoff matchups in the again you could play the clips. Here's where Colin Kaepernick ran like hell on Green Bay. <laughs> there have been a couple of different ones where it's been like that, and they ha- they have some history. Those teams do have some history going in there, so I think that'll be kind of interesting. 
but anyway, I, I think overall, I like this. Uh, I like the way this bracket goes out. I like some of the potential narratives. I guess it'll depend. We'll have to see. Uh, we'll have to see what pieces come together, and uh, and kind of play it by ear there's, from there. There's a lot of question marks because your stronger teams, like the teams that should be like no brainers, have a lot of question marks, and then the teams that they're facing, they kind of made it in ugly. Like Pittsburgh shouldn't be a playoff team. Green Bay, you know, you're a fan. You were, will they, won't they? Tampa Bay, who the hell expected them to be a, a division winner, let alone in the playoffs, you know? Um, Miami went from a two seed to a six seed in one game. You know, so there's like a, a lot of what the hell happened. Cleveland in the playoffs. We have Cleveland and Detroit in the playoffs in the same playoffs we have cleveland browns and detroit lions i don't know if the nfl history books could tell us when the last time that happened i honestly i'm not 100 sure that we we have to go back <laughs> basically to the old nfl we yeah. have to go back to the old NFL pre-Super Bowl era, I think, in order right. to find that. This is what we have to be looking. Yeah, so it's been a long time. So some interesting potential. Was playing. Yeah, probably. Probably. Yeah. So either way, uh, it should be fascinating. So that's our first round thoughts on that. I like this first round, though. I'm not going to lie. I like the Super Wildcard recap. I'm kind of excited for it. I'm, I'm interested. I'm definitely into it. So I think that'll be a lot of fun. All right. We'll talk a little bit more about that once the games start playing out. And you never know. You never know. I might, I might have to. I was chatting with uh, with Big Scott and a lot of those guys after the fact. It's like I kind of like the idea of doing like a watch along. It's like, all right, Scott, you and I do a watch along. That'd be fun because he's a Cowboys guy. That'd be kind of fun to, to do. I, I like the watch alongs, man. I'm a big fan of them, especially if you actually have people who actually like the teams. Then that's kind of that makes it a little bit more fun for me. As you know, to each their own. And we'll see, depending on how things go. I'm also curious, like in bringing it back into the sports card side of things. I'm also curious how the narratives then play. Because even though, theoretically, if you wanted to hashtag invest, you want to have those cards already. Like To be clear, you want to have those cards ahead of time, not doing trying to make moves now. It would be like a weird time to do it. Unless you do it on Comsy or something like that, and you're able to get something for a good price and then flip it right away. If that's the case, then so be it. I think it should be okay. But what I'd be curious is what happens to the short-term narratives and if you get a little spikes, little bumps. So for example, uh, C.J. Stroud goes off and throws for 450 yards in a playoff win. That'd be huge for him, right? You know, it'd be huge for his prism card in the short run. In the short run, it would be huge for him. You'd see a little quick spike, and then we'll see some of these other guys. Look, other side of the equation, Flacco goes off and, and has a tremendous game, you know, has a three-touchdown game and everything. It plays it up even more. Brandon regrets not buying the NT Flacco even more. Even more. It's just craziness. Flacco, I'm just Flacco, waiting. the whole world. I'm just waiting for people to forget who he is again and then I'll <laughs> <laughs> it might it might be tough when he's you know two-time super bowl winning quarterback and they built a statue of him outside of cleveland and he's like he is the greatest joe flacco playoff performer in cleveland history like all of a sudden you know cleveland renames himself joe flacco land it, it might it might be tough after that they might actually like rename lake erie to like lake flacco Lake Flacco. I'm just saying. Like Brandon, I'm sorry. At that point, like the the city budget is going to be buying NTRPAs of Joe Flacco. Like they're just they're <laughs> everybody's in. They're buying them all. Just just throwing it out there. Anyway, so that's kind of a fun one. I had a little fun with that. Okay, a couple quick things that we'll touch on, and then we'll get into kind of the main topic here. Uh, one of the things I want to kind of bring out to folks' attention briefly, 
and I'll talk about it more down the road here, uh, is going to be that uh, 2024 AEW flagship has been announced. I'm like, really, guys? Hold on. <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> Calm down. They're saying July. It's like, we'll see. We'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll keep an eye on that upper deck. We'll, we'll find out. Also, I want to give uh, credit to 540 Flips now. has blown up. It's gone crazy. We'll give the little plug at the end, but it's uh, it's craziness now. I forgot my name was even on here like that. <laughs> I forgot to change it. Yes, that's you. That's you. <laughs> Brandon 540 Flips. But uh, but obviously you had a couple of videos take off, so that worked out very nicely. And I think you got over 500 subscribers, so congratulations on that. So that was a nice big boost there for the channel. Yeah, I I, I messaged you because uh, I don't I still don't understand the YouTube algorithm. I put a video uh, up I just, and it sits there weirdly for a couple of days and then all of a sudden it's I'm like what the hell? I, so, I just think that I just think it's people sympathizing with your wacko for flacco fealty, your your respect for wacko flacco, and they're like, I need to support this man. That that could be. That could be. There there was somebody that that put a comment and I've never had anybody do this before, which luckily that channel is still relatively new. But they commented on the video and they said, I just found your channel. Thank you. Uh, you know, little little comment there. And then they're like, I'm going to go binge watch all your other videos. And I'm like, you're really that bored? I mean, like, and they started. That's a pitch for 540 flips. If I ever, like, Eric, that's a pitch for 540 crap. flips. If ever I heard one. Yeah, it's like, 540 flips YouTube channel. Are you really that bored? <laughs> it was like. You're gonna go binge watch all of my videos, okay? But and then they started commenting on each. Like it was 20 minutes later, I get a new comment. <laughs> 10 minutes, another new comment. I'm like, they're really watching every damn video. <laughs> Super fandom. If you want to join the movement, 540 flips on YouTube. <laughs> there you go. And also hit the like button for this one. But yes, all right. I just thought I would mention that. Also, we'll talk more about it if it becomes a bigger thing. I did catch on social media that LeBron posted on social media with like what a fanatics looking thing is. Right now, I don't know too much about it. So we'll do a little more digging into it. We'll come back to it. And if it's a thing, maybe we'll discuss it on Friday or we'll discuss it next week once we have a little bit more information. At least potentially interesting. And there is a Sports Collector's Daily article, which I pulled up. I will uh, link it in the description for you. Again, it's very early. We're just looking basically at a social media post from LeBron James showing a fanatics thing and then saying, alluding basically to it as a greatness awaits. What the hell does that mean? Lord knows. I have no idea. So that's why I say like it's very early days. We don't know too much about it, but I'll link it. I'll link it anyway, just so you can check it out for yourself. And something else that I'm not going to necessarily commit to following up by next episode, maybe the episode after that, I was, I did download on Kindle. Uh, the book by Mike Kramer. So I will I will take some time and try to read it. And if I read it, I will give a book review. That may that may be forthcoming. So I may I may offer a book review on the Mike Kramer memoir. Uh, I saw some of the reviews that are on Amazon, and I'm like, all right, I got to read this shit because if, if any of those reviews sound anything like it, I'm like, what did you write about yourself? It is it is it is an autobiography. So I'm like. What did you write about yourself? And I, I'm curious now. It's it speaked my curiosity, and I've got it on the tablet here, so I can read it. So I'll be able to go through. By the way, it's cheaper on the tablet. Just if you get Kindle, it's, it's actually cheaper than buying the physical book. I'm like, I don't need the physical book for this. I'll just read it. It'll be fine. So I'll report back my findings once I once I get through the book. Okay. So let's. What I wanted to talk about for the main topic was basically this. Uh, it's a discussion I've had on the live stream. It's a discussion I've we've had before a little bit. We touched on it last week a little bit as well about kind of the current state of the whole 
distribution dealer, you know, model, especially with unopened. That's just one category, but it's a specific one. And part of what precipitated that, and I'll share this on the screen for you while I'm talking about it. Part of what precipitated it is the discussion about series two hockey. Now, I know not everybody, most of the folks that are watching this probably don't care that much about hockey, but stick with me on it. You'll, you'll understand where I'm getting at with this. The point is it applies to the other sports too. We can talk about prism football. We can talk about the other, we can talk about baseball. We can talk about fanatics is going to change its thing. We'll touch on some of that idea. Again, this will be the beginning of a discussion. And what I'll try to do is I'll try to get some folks uh, that are more on the distribution side or on the card shop side to come in and give a little insight, a little side to it. But back before uh, when Brad Hartland was operating AMG collectibles full time, we talked about it a little bit on the PSA Canada channel because they're still operating it. Well, Sherry is still operating it day to day and I'm doing that with AMG collectibles now. And I have a chance to see a little bit about what the price points are on the things at the distribution to card shop level. Well, if you're running a business, you also have to market up from there. So what I'm showing here on the screen for folks listening audio wise is David Adams showing the pre-sale page for 2324 Upper Deck Series 2. And right now the pre-sale price is $299.95 USD. So we talked a little bit about it before we got the recording going. So I'm going to take some water here to get re to get deparched. But before I do, just high-level thoughts on general about that price point for Series 2, knowing what we know about what the price point was for Series 1. So Brandon or Eric, whichever one, whichever one of you wants to go first. Well, Brandon, you like I'll to? I'll touch on it real, you know, real quick and throw it to Eric. But what I mentioned when we were touched, you know, touching on it before we went and recorded was obviously we know Bedard. We know he's the chaser. We know he's got talent. We know that young gun's going to have value, yada, yada. There's going to be a high demand for it. But when you're talking $300 per box, and they're 12 box cases. So, you know, 3,600 plus taxes, whatever. What I have historically seen and what likely, and this is just an assumption, but likely it will happen is, and Carlos kind of, you know, did the math on it there. The, it's a 50 card young gun checklist. You have six per box and there's 12 boxes. So 72 roughly young guns total across the case. And you're going to have duplicates of some players. You're likely only going to see one Connor Bedard young gun per case. Some cases may contain two. Most will only contain one. $3,600 price point to get one. Now, I know there's other players in there or whatever, but he's the driving force of this value. That's a bit insane. What are your put yourself into a modern mindset, a hockey fan modern mindset. Let's say you would like to own a Bedard, you don't want to buy it off somebody, you want the thrill of pulling it. What is your thoughts on hearing that? $3,600 case for the chance of likely only one bedard young gun in that case yeah no that's uh it's utterly ridiculous you know i mean uh i'm prejudiced yes i collect vintage um so i would not even be hunting for this but yeah that math um which it, it just doesn't it doesn't add up and it doesn't make sense uh most people cannot afford thirty six hundred dollars uh they might be able to scramble three hundred dollars 
And I would say, ask yourselves, if you spend $300 for a box and you go home and you rip it all and you don't have the Bedard in there, how are you feeling about your choices, the hobby, card collecting, you know, I don't understand this part of collecting. I would simply, if I wanted a, a, a Bedard Young Guns, I would take that $300 and pocket it, or that $3,600 and pocket it, and I'd wait for someone else to pull it and sell it. I'd buy a raw copy, because that's going to be even cheaper. And then I would decide whether or not I want to send it in for grading myself. But well, I'm glad you brought that up because there was something else I wanted to touch. So Carlos had mentioned before we recorded how mm -hmm. most of the young guns are only going to be about roughly five bucks. And that is normally the case. But if there's yeah. more of this product opened, because as you also mentioned, it may become a breaker product because of the price and you know the cost. I think it'll have to be just because the box price is so high. Well, I could see those normal historical $5 young guns actually becoming less because if more of the product than what is average opened is open chasing Bedard, you're going to get more of the common or lesser sought after guys. So even the set collectors are going to have more available. And then Eric touched on the grading aspect of it i don't want to like kick upper deck in the shins but the last couple of years the print quality has sucked and it's actually mm -hmm. been hard to even gem on these young guns and mm -hmm. so you may potentially spend that money and hit the bedard and it might come out the pack as an eight where then you're like crap you know so you hit the guy you want it and it's not even in good condition. We, we so pulled, we pulled the the series one draft day card of him at the shop, mm -hmm. and yep. out of out of the wax in your hand, probably in, a print line in a in the plastic, and this thing looked beat up. The corners were dinged. There was paint missing, chipped, all sorts of issues with it. Um, we still sold it for five hundred dollars the next day. Uh, but I think that's simply because of the FOMO of, of people, you know, wanting this, the, this thing was beat up and that is the way it came out of the package. So, you know, like Brandon said, if the quality is going to continue to be bad for these things, um, that's something else you have to factor in when you go to spend that money. Uh, are you going to spend $3,600, um, to try to get one of these, you know, to guarantee yourself one of these, pull it and it's all chewed up. Now what? You send it in, you get a seven. You're not getting thirty six hundred. You thirty six hundred dollars back. Now here's a question I would pose based on that. So let me let me pose this question though. Speaking of what you just said, and that's why I say this conversation, just so everybody's on the same page, will go in a couple of different directions here. So bear with us because there is there is more impact. It's more than just one product. It's more than just once. We're using this as an example because we're all at least familiar with it. Eric works in a car shop of ill repute. It has him, so it's ill repute. But 
The point is they also sell boxes. They also sell singles. They also sell memorabilia. So it's a combination of all the above. Brandon historically has opened boxes of hockey and those things, cases as well. So he understands that piece of it. Obviously, I have an association with AMG and also being friends with and being involved in that section of hobby and also just being an attendee. When we go to the expo, the two times a year, the Series 1 and Series 2 are big components of the breaking side of things because Upper Deck sets up at the expo. So this is important. We give this context. You know, I tease Eric about the thing, but the point is every card shop that does boxes understands this. And we'll touch on a little bit more about the rest of it. But we're just using this example because we know we have enough knowledge to know this one well, but we'll touch on some other examples as well. But when you're talking about a product like this, this is a make or break product for some card shops for the year. Make or break product. It's a huge, especially if you're in an area that buys a lot of hockey. People chase after those young guns. People build this. That is still, well, has been, I'm curious what this year will look like. It has been historically a set builder set along with SP Authentic and a handful of other ones. These are still sets that some people will chase because even though the young guns are, there's a hundred young guns between series one and series two. That's a lot. They're short printed, but they're still available traditionally in enough abundance where it's not one or two out there. So bring it back around to what Brandon was saying though, is if the quality control issues continue, then how much of a premium do you get for a legitimate PSA 10 Conor Bedard then? If for whatever reason, it's very difficult because of whatever condition issues. So if you do get uh, a PSA 10 or an SGC 10 or you know a BGS 10, not likely, but whatever. The point is, let's say you get one that legitimately deserves a premium because it's actually a nicer copy than the normal copies that are out there. It is difficult to gem. It's not easy. And the gem rate is actually really low. So there are going to be some hardcore collectors, though, that want the nicest version of it. And if you can actually offer to, they will pay a premium. What does that do to the price of the rest of them as well? Because then even the eights and nines will still hold some value because, hey, if it's hard to gem, it's hard to gem. You want a nice copy. This is the next best thing. If you can't gem it, a nice nine will, will do. But you'll still pay a premium for that then. Yeah, whatever the highest number is. And, you know, with the pop reports, and it's like, oh, only six nines, nothing higher. Well, if nines is the ceiling, you're going to pay this for the ceiling price. Here's a question. And, and this is, I, kn I know this is steering away from the, the topic of distribution and product. But mm -hmm. since we're focusing yeah. on this one and the value of this product right now, there's potential, and I don't I don't think it would happen, but we never know. If this card comes out at an astronomical price on the singles market, that then drives the demand further for people to actually pony up and pay the box price. Will we see the box price increase even more? And will this Bedard Young Guns, will it drive other cards inside of hockey specifically like in relation to like a mcdavid i don't know what his young gun is sitting at right now but i'm gonna say what a grand something like that for the if the bedard's coming out at approximately one one and a half per case and the case is thirty six hundred dollars you have to expect that the value of this card is going to be kind of teasing around a, a mcdavid price is it going to push the mcdavid up is going to drive. Are, are the, we talking the about an ungraded up. McDavid? Is that are we talking about an ungraded McDavid? Is that what you're referring to? A rock? Either, either or, either or. Just in comparison's sake, because you know we mentioned the tens, and 
if they're tough to gym, you know, that it, it could all be a factor. Yeah, so I'll pull up what the economic David uh, has been, but I want to say it's a couple of grand, uh, especially if it's if it's at a ten. People so are definitely going to go crazy over this, and they're going to spend lots of money, and there's going to be a hunt, and there's going to be a lot of FOMO, and there's going to be a lot of excitement. But there's going to be a couple of people out there who are going to say, "I am going to hold my money right now and wait for the, you know, cup RPA." And I'm going to put all my money into that because long term, that's going to be worth even more. So do you well, the, the being being the cup, yes. But yeah. one thing about it is that what's helped those young guns in the past. So I was just scanning through some on Terra Peak here. 2249, 2250, 2250. This is all January here. Uh, 2250, 2600 in an auction in January the 2nd. So somewhere in that 2000, 2500 ish range, somewhere in there. And that's for Connor, uh, Connor McDavid. Uh, now the thing is, the key point is kind of in in going to the question, the Connor McDavid, the young guns are available in enough quantity that they they trade regularly. They're very liquid. Let's just put it that way. Let's use the term since uh, that was a big thing during the boom. Liquidity, right? So that's yeah. something that has this demand. It has desire. And Ovechkin young gun is liquid. It's not that it's hard to get. It's available. It's out there. A Crosby young gun. Again, if you're the right players in Austin Matthews, young gun. So there's plenty of them out there. And even in PSA 10s, there's plenty of them out there. But they still trade. You know, you can put it down on a dealer table. And if you guys are able to come to a number that you're satisfied with, the transaction can happen fairly quickly. You can, you can move those. So that's what's historically been a big thing for them. And as again, Upper Deck flagship historically has been a set builder set. I used SP Authentic because that is another one with the future watch. That has also been a set builder set, less so, but still, there's some folks that will put together a set of the future watches. So there's still the the cup though is its own beast. Most of the time, the people that are getting a uh, cup RPA want the ones they want. They're not trying to necessarily build a set. There are a handful of hardcores that are like, yeah, I want a set of the full RPAs for the year, but there's they're few and far between. These other ones still have that set builder because the future watch are out of nine ninety nine, so there's still enough of them out there. And then the young guns are more than that. So Connor and Bedard is, it's not like they've only going to print a hundred of them or a thousand of them or 10,000. And they're going to print way more than that. You're going to be able to well, get your hands on them. Sure. They also, I haven't, I don't remember all the details, but didn't they add at least one more serial numbered young gun this year? Is it one or two? Instead of just a having of, a high gloss exclusive, I was going to say one or two thing. more. You got the outbursts, the outbursts. Yeah, there's going to be so, acetate, and there's going to be red ones and blue ones, and there's going to be canvas ones and serial numbered ones and rainbow ones, and yeah, they're going to throw everything at the wall for this. So there's going to be, you know, the the regular young gun, and then they're going to have all these other things in there to even to. to well, my, or four. my point was with the added numbered copies means an increased print because you got to yeah. you got to fulfill the numbered copies. And now there's an extra element of a higher serial number where it used to just be 10 and 100. Now you got that other one in there that you got to throw and you got to make it hard enough to hit. So that's going to mean that there's going to be more of the base copies out there. Yeah. And for comparison's sake, uh, since we mentioned them, 
uh, for Connor McDavid, that was 2015, but for Connor McDavid, I can tell you that just in PSA Gem Mintens, the population, just the Gem Mintens, is over 2,700. Almost 2,800 Gem Mintens. That's Gem Mintens. I'm not counting nines. I'm not counting eights. I'm not counting raw. I'm not counting SGC. I'm not counting Beckett. Only PSA 10s, 2,700, almost 2,800. That's a lot. And even then, you'll still get 22, 23, 2,400. So, so think of the liquidity in the marketplace, over $2,000 per, and there's 2,700 out there. But Money. on top of that, you're talking about a price point of $3,600 to potentially pull one mm -hmm. that then has to gem of a player that arguably should not yet be at the price point of a $2,500 Connor McDavid PSA 10. Thus, you're spending 30, you know, if you buy a case, I'm, hypothetically, if you buy a case, you might buy one box and one box and boom, you're good. But to guarantee one, essentially, $3,600 price point. That's the reason why I suggested that this is pushed into the category of you're almost forced to be doing it through breakers. The math no longer maths. Like it's um, it, you've you've effectively doubled the price per box. Effectively, you've doubled the price per box. Do you think breakers? Because I don't, I I don't watch a lot of the hockey breaks. Do you think they will actually? stretch the dollar more now this whole topic was for the distribution and how that product is 300 yeah we'll get we'll get back to it but we're using this example since we're familiar with it yeah do you think the breakers would then take it a step further and to make it affordable but also a little bit more piece on the pie for them do three box breaks to where then well, you're I think seeing somebody with the Blackhawks spending a lot and may not even get Bedard. But the thing is, well, look, I'm, I'm not going to get too deep into breaking because obviously it's not my area of expertise. However, if you really want to make it quote unquote fair and you want to increase your potential, look, I joked about the pick your team because the Chicago Blackhawks one would be super high. And, you know, I joked about it and said, well, the other teams would be like five bucks. You know, you won't be able to, but truthfully, if you're a breaker and you really want to be smart about it, I would, you would randomize the teams. You'd be like, okay, so take the cost. Figure yeah. out whatever number you're satisfied with and be like, all right, so that none of you complain to me. And again, be very transparent, show everything, show everything so everybody can see it. I go, here it is, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to break it up into 32 pieces, 32 teams. Nobody gets to pick a team. Take your chances. Spin the wheel and let's find out. Some One of you is going to get it and you're all paying the same price. That's your closest. That's the closest way you can do it to fair, and it would keep the relative price. So whoever gets the Chicago Blackhawks spot would get it much cheaper that way, give themselves a better shot at it. But it means a couple of the five dollar teams are going to go for the same price point. <laughs> they're going to pay more, and they're just not going to get the value out of it. So about one hundred twenty a spot, thirty two spots, and I I did go over the three hundred price yeah. point because they got costs involved of shipping and all that. Yeah. So one hundred twenty a spot, thirty two spots. But what what if you get Columbus? <laughs> Yeah, but to be fair, but at that price point that you're talking about right there, at that price point, you've effectively talked about the price, same price as buying five packs. Yeah, it, it does. Like it's, it's not make as obscene. It it's not as obscene as you. It, it's it feels better paying the hundred and twenty dollars and taking your chances. At least you've got a chance, as and you get whatever's in the case. 
for whatever team you ended up pulling, as opposed to uh, $300 US or $350 Canadian is one of the pre-sales I saw here. So three, let's say $300 US just to keep it level set. $300 US, you have no idea what you're going to get. No clue. Yep. You're going to get six young guns. You're guaranteed six young guns. That's the only thing I can promise you. What they're going to be? The better no your idea. odds, you're you're at best about probably ten percent because it'd be one in twelve if it's one per case. But let's go one yep. in ten and ten percent um, of of hitting the card you want. Man, mm. Mm. it's a tough time. I, it's I, tough I think times. I'll pass. I think I'll pass. I, this year. I, I don't look. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not sitting here advocating for it. I'm not suggesting. It. I'm merely stating that if you're a person who wants to try to do it through a break a random team is probably your best bet dollar for dollar because at least you gave yourself a chance and you didn't have to chase, you know, you'd have to be first in the spot to hit the team and then pay the highest number. And again, you're still not many guarantees there. There's you're, you're taking a lot of chances on that one. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this dynamic plays out. And I'll throw another piece at you. Historically, as I said, the expo is usually a good spot for this. So if it comes out on time that we expect the release date here is February the 28th. That means by the time we get to the expo, the expo is late April, early May. So by that point, already some time would have gone by. I would still assume, though, that this would be one of the products that they would have for their pack redemption thing. With pack redemption, is, you also get the additional bonus packs. Is so SP authentic normally these spring? There should be one by then. That would be my expectation. Again, we're going with a normal upper deck calendar. I don't know what this year is going to look like. They have gotten a little bit better. They're starting to release some of these products, so that's been good. But we're still, we're still, like I said, the cup is still 21-22. We're still behind. So we're still trying to get to present day. It's we're going back forwards and forwards in time. I don't know where we're sitting right now. What do you uh what do you think SPA? Well, actually, what do you think? So on, on the distribution end of it and the yeah. topic there. Do you think we're going to see this inflated number across all products moving forward because of the Bedard factor? Oh, we're definitely going to, every product that has Bedard is getting a boost. Like in this case, so let's, so we wanted to, since we knew a lot about series one and series two, I wanted to start off with it as the beginning. Like I said, this is merely opening the conversation to other discussions down the road. We'll touch on different elements of it. We'll bring in some folks to chat on some of this piece, but I wanted to start the discussion. We already know just looking at series one and series two, the discrepancy. This is the same year, the same product, same brand between series one and series two. And I'll bring this element into it. And we talked a little bit about it in the, in the live stream, but I'll touch on it this way. I can say with good sources that as always, one of the big longstanding, this is not new, one of the longstanding traditions of the distribution model and it's brokenness is the idea of you got to buy this because that if you do not and they never phrase it you know I, I joked about it being like like a mob thing they they don't do it like that but but it very politely they allude that if you do not purchase these other items it may may impact your allocation for other products and in the case of series one even though series one obviously doesn't have bedard in it it did have that bonus card it did have that you know easter egg card so that still has some desirability the price of series one is much lower than it's going to be for series two. And it did not suddenly double the price for upper deck between series one and series two. The actual product itself costs probably about the same to make. It didn't, didn't change that dramatically. Well, there is a difference. There's very clearly a difference when the pre-orders are so much higher. Now, 
what some shops have done is they kind of combined series one and series two. So they allowed people to pre-order series one, but then presumably get a certain allocation of series two. I'm just speaking of general shops. I've seen some of them that connect the two. Well, since a lot of folks connect the two, it becomes extremely important to have allocation of series two because of this. But now all of a sudden you're looking at this increased price point. It's become a lot higher. So here's what you're here's where you run into an interesting thing. I can say the series one sold extremely well. It did extremely well. People were all over it. Series two, the feeding frenzy should be even higher. But here's but here's the problem. Can you, can your store get enough allocation? So this presumably should be a very profitable uh, product. But the distributors are also charging more for it too. So what happens if, as has been historically the case, allegedly, the distributor does the thing where I've got X allocation for you. Okay, so you bought enough Series 1, you bought enough of these other products, I will make this much Series 2 available to you. This is all I got, quote unquote. And then, oh, we found some more. But uh, this one's at, uh, you know, we started 300 pre-sale. Pre-sale goes off. You sell X number of cases, however many you got to breakers, to individuals, to whoever. And then you go, hey, guys, I need a restock. I've sold through all my allocation. Well, let's see what we can find. Oh, we found some in the warehouse. We found some cases. Hey, Eric, you found some cases? That's great. Uh, yeah, these ones are 400 US per or 450. If you would like to restock, they're going to be 450. 450 from the distributor. You're the shop. Yeah. So if you buy them at 450, how much do you have to charge? It's no longer 300 bucks. Now it's 500. Even if even if you want to take a very modest markup, I'm just making up numbers to be clear. But even if you do it that way, that only be 50 per box. That's not much of a markup. But even then you went to $500. So what does the customer say? Hey, you're ripping me off. The pre-sale was $300. I bought them from you. Now you're saying it's $500 and you're sitting there like, yes. <laughs> it's like, I'm not making as much as you think I am. My margin is actually quite small, all things considered. And if you don't want it, the guy down the street is asking for 550. The guy further down the street is asking for 600. I'm doing the best I can to give you a modest markup. And it's like, well, how could it be worth $500? Well, because you might uh, get this one card that will, you know, help you get that $500 back. But the chance the, 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 pro the problem that we have, though, is, and this goes back to the cup conversation. The problem is if you increase the price per box high enough, you do not make your money back. No. Even if you pull the card. And, and then, that's the problem. And the real problem is, isn't. I mean, it, it isn't isn't the money. It's the feeling one gets with with the loss. How can you enjoy doing this if you're continuously getting losses? It it takes so, joy away. That's that's been the place I've been struggling with, and it has completely gotten down to the point of just the cost of the products. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As you mentioned earlier, me and her used to, you know, we would buy cases and sit down, yep. split a case, she'd open some, I'd open some, and we would have a lot of fun. You know, it, it, I don't want to say it was cheap, but it was at a price point that you could enjoy and you didn't feel like you got kicked in the groin repeatedly. Repeatedly. Mm -hmm. The part that it's very hard to struggle now, and I I mentioned we opened some middle universe, you know, a few months back or whatever. Mm -hmm. And the thought there is, okay, we enjoy the product, 
the cost, the, the expense is to pay for the enjoyment of opening the product. But when it keeps climbing and it keeps getting more expensive, when you're telling yourself that, you begin to just lie to yourself because you're not having fun. You know, when you walk into that shop, you mentally struggle with even forking over that amount to buy those boxes. You know already in your head that you're spending more than you're likely going to get in return, whether fun or monetarily out of the product. And then you sit down, you open it, you might hit, you know, one or two cars that you like, but you look back on it and then you struggle again because you're like, what the hell did I just open? Like it does not, it, it's just like with the cup case that was open, yeah. you know, and they're, they're doing that little project, seeing how much is actually returned out of it. It's yeah. not even about the value when it soaks that much, it no longer becomes fun. Like yeah. you can tell yourself you're doing it for fun, but it's not fun getting kicked in the groin. And then you eventually stop because you don't want to get kicked in the groin. Yeah. That's kind of so where, I think the, where I'm at. So the thing and kind of taking what you're saying. So, so we'll be 5% more mature. And if you notice when Eric was saying the thing about losing and still like suffering through it, I, there was a Boston Brewers joke there and we did make it. So I'm proud of us. 5% more mature. But in the spirit of what you were saying though, in the spirit of what you were saying, uh, Part of the thing is, and it goes back to the discussion we've had in the live stream, but I'll, I'll touch on it again here. A lot of those folks, like myself, I talk about how I, I, I enjoy gambling. I, I like having a little fun with the gamble. The thing about gambling is that if you're doing it responsibly, if you actually understand what the odds are going into it and all that, then it feels sporting. And what I mean by that is, I use the I use a simple analogy. You go to the roulette table. you got all these different options, different odds, depending on what option you select. You know, you got red and black here. It's not 50-50. It's actually worse than 50-50. And if you've got the double greens, then it's actually worse than that. You can actually go look up what... But here's the thing. You can go look up what the odds are mathematically, and you'll be able to know. You'll know it's worse than 50-50. But here's the point. It's worse than 50-50, so the house will win because you can put this down on the same one over and over again, and in the long, in the aggregate, even if you can get on a run of hot, a hot run or a cold run or whatever, in totality... You should lose more than you win. But what's happening right now is that when we're looking at these boxes and these breaks, you're being presented this idea that you're playing the red and black and you're and you're supposed to be looking at it like it's 50-50. It's not 50-50. It's getting the odds of picking one of the individual numbers. But you're not getting the payout. So even if you hit, even if you hit the really difficult one to hit, you're not getting the payout that you're supposed to be getting if you hit the big one. That's the analogy that we're using here because at a certain price point, you have to put so much in that even if you score the jackpot in this case, you barely broke even. You, maybe you did a little better or you still lost. So to Brandon's point, it's like, that's what getting kicked in the jug feels like. Back in the olden days, the olden days, you would buy the box and most of the time, most of the time you should lose. But what losing meant back then is you'd get like, 50% of the box price back, 60% of the box price. Back. So you lost. But it doesn't feel like, okay, whatever. The box was like well, 80 bucks and you got $60 yeah, worth of value on like it. You this. didn't get destroyed. You didn't get destroyed. Right. I like, the most kind of related, like 70, I was going to say. Yeah. 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 Well, I kind of relate it and I always talk about like 
and, and I use this analogy a little bit because it's two things that I don't really do much of and it's more expensive than I really feel it should be. But think about it going to a movie, right? You go to a movie, you don't know what it's going to be. The movie, I don't know, 30 bucks to go watch this movie, whereas you could be patient and just wait at home and either stream it when it's free on HBO or whatever. But you want to go to the movies and let's, let's just call it $30. Going in, you don't know good movie, sucky movie. All right, if it's sucky movie, whatever, it's 30 bucks. $300, are you going to continue going to the movies? Yep. Because you it don't know if sucky movie is going to be sitting there. Yeah. It's the, you feel the it's loss kind of the more. same thing. Yeah. You feel the loss more because now you've increased the stakes. That's what that's why I use that analogy. Like I said, I use the we talk about it. it's like it's breaking gambling. Of course it is. <laughs> you've got odds. You've got odds. Of course it's gambling. But it makes it easier to swallow the pill. Sure. But that's the thing. Like at a lower price point, that's why I use those small at smaller stakes. If you're buying your box and it's 60, 70, 80 bucks, if you get 40 or 50 dollars worth of value, you've technically still lost. But a twenty mm -hmm. or thirty dollar loss is like okay, well, you know, hey, you, you you got a chance to spin the wheel. You took a chance. You played the game. It didn't work out for you. And if you win, okay, maybe you got a modest win. Oh, you, that card is like one hundred and ten bucks. Okay, on a seventy dollar box, one hundred and ten bucks. Hey, I made my money back or a little bit, whatever. Pays for the next uh, box or whatever the case may be. But today, in the examples that we're using, you're paying a thousand dollars for a box. So we talked about the hockey one. Look at what prison football is going right now. Prison football is 900 a box, 900 US per box. So, but 900 US, you're going to get a couple of colors in them. Maybe you get a CJ Stroud. A CJ Stroud rookie isn't going to pay that, pay you back for that. No way. Even if you get it graded, even if it comes back a 10, you're not, that, that's not enough. You need more. You need, you need a CJ Stroud color. You need a CJ, you need, you need a, you need a really nice parallel. You need, you need, some, you need a couple of things to hit just to break even. The CJ Stroud is what you're, what you want. CJ Stroud is what you're looking Whoa. for. It's like the Bedard thing. In this example, at 300 bucks US, you pull the Bedard in the first box you open, you probably made your money back, maybe a little more. At $500 a box, you're probably still behind. So you pulled the card, you beat the odds, and you still lost. It's all good. ass backwards now too, because when, and, and I'm going to go back in time a little bit, prior to you know what some of the folks in the hobby are were into it now but just what are we 2024 now so about five years ago in 2019 you could go into a hobby shop and i'm gonna say blowout who has high prices and everything today they're one of the ones like da like you showed and everything but you could walk into the shop at blowout it's about 45 minutes away from me. Go in, ask for a box off the shelf, and in most cases, the product would have been cheaper than the MSRP of the day it was released. And I'm talking, yeah, ye old 2019. <laughs> and I'm not talking crap product with nobody you want in it. I'm talking Prism. And I know this yep. for a fact because me and my wife went up there September of mm -hmm. 2019. Yep. Prism Basketball bought 2018 Prism, Luka Doncic's rookie year, and it was cheaper than the MSRP at release. And Luka was the hottest young basketball player 
in the NBA, probably hotter than he is today, and the product was cheaper than MSRP. Today, you have the exact opposite going on. We're seeing the the inflated price, and here, the example, Bedard, it's just, it's worse than the Jason Robertson pump. That's wow. what it is. Wow. It's worse. That, 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 that right there, that's, that's a serious accusation. That's that's crazy talk right there. So just just to close off that point, just to close off that point, and then like I said, we'll we'll this will be like part one of a discussion because we could break this up into a couple of pieces. But I'll touch on one more thing using the same example you did. So in 2018, and on the YouTube channel, it's there. Like if you go back historically in the archives, in 2018, I was opening some football product. If you all remember mm -hmm. in 2018, it was Lamar, it was Baker, it was Sam Darnold at the time, it was the chosen Rosen. Josh Allen. Josh Allen, of course. So you had a whole rookie crop. Nick you Chubb. had a bunch of different rookies. Yep. You had a bunch of, and even Saquon. Saquon was another yep. one. So you, so you had a number of different rookies that people were vying for. So you had a variety of different ones. Uh, 2018 Prism Football. I did open a box of 2018 Prism Football on the channel. I didn't pull too much craziness. I pulled a couple of cards for a couple of the guys in there. So it worked out nicely for me. It was okay. But it was 260 Canadian a box. And I did the quick translation over here. That's 194 US. 194. Mm -hmm. This year's is 900. With and that was more, six years. With way more parallels and crap in it because in 2018, yes. the silver still had a hell of a lot of value because they yeah. were limited hits and there wasn't 52 different colors and patterns. Yeah. And I would say if you go back and look at it, I pulled a couple of cards, a couple of nice cards, but my autograph prism rookie wasn't great it was like i pulled a couple of lamar inserts and stuff and i sold off piecemeal some of the stuff over the years but here's the thing i made my money up back on the box to be clear i made my money back on the box back then and i didn't really pull anything crazy i didn't pull any of the premium rookies i didn't pull an autograph of i did pull a josh allen rookie uh it was a nine it wasn't anything crazy but i made a little bit of money on that one I got a couple of Lamar inserts that sold for okay when Lamar got his first MVP. So I actually was able to time, I, I was able to go back in the box, dust it off, grab some of the singles inside of it, sell a couple more off over a little bit of time. And I actually made my money back on the box, but that's because I paid $260 somewhere. But that's that's another part that that you that changes the spectrum from then to today. In 2018, 2019. You could buy a box of cards, you could open it, and you didn't have to worry about your wallet screaming at you. You could put the cards aside, top load them, see if a player pans out, see if he gets more popularity, see if he becomes, you know, better or good. And you didn't have to worry about it. In this instance of speaking on this Upper Deck product, just to use it as the example, because we have the number there, $300, well you're going to try to recuperate some of that as quick as possible because not everybody just has 300 that they can spend over and over. And many people, most people in this hobby fund their hobby off of the hobby. You tie up 300 or 900 in the case of Prism, you just tied up a chunk of change. You can't put the cards back in the box and set them aside for a year to go dust off. You've yeah. just tied up 900 bucks. 
Yeah. And we're talking at the individual level. So I think what I'll do is I'll push the conversation for the shop portion of it into a future episode because I want to get Brad or Sherry or some folks who can speak to it a little bit more directly from that portion of it because they don't have to give all the numbers away because obviously they're running a business, but they can also give a little context because they obviously they're the ones ordering product and they can give a little bit of context of what that looks like from that perspective. But talking about it from the individual breaking perspective of it, talking about that, looking at these box prices using the pre-order one that we talked about today, I'll put it this way. I, I, I've, you know, joke of the channel, my, one of my favorite things. I always joke about the, the AEW upper deck and everything. I've already opened an inner case of AEW Allure. They've got Allure in hockey as well, so you're familiar with it from that. But they've got AEW Allure. Allure has a lot of color in it, a lot of everything. It's not the craziest high-end product, but it's got some nice cards in it. It's got some fun stuff. You can have some fun with it. AEW is not the hottest product in the world. But I made my money back from an inner case of 10 boxes of AEW Allure. Well, here's the thing. That inner case, 10 hobby boxes, 10, 10 hobby boxes cost me barely more than two boxes of Series 2 will cost me. In 10 boxes versus two, which one of us do you think has the better chance of at least pulling something fun that you can put together or having a totality of enough singles to be able to find? I was able to make my money back on an inner case. Two boxes of Series 2. My chance is, if we just go with the odds that we talked about, maybe a Bedard per case, my chances aren't looking good. My, ch my chances are not looking good at all. In 10 hobby boxes, I'll probably get some autographs. I'll get parallels. I was able to pull a one-of-one -one in the first one. Maybe I do, maybe I don't. I'm more than likely going to get it. I got at least a decent shot at a case hit. Like I I've got... I've got enough boxes to be able to spread the risk out. And that's 10 boxes worth of me having some fun opening it. So I get the enjoyment factor. I will pull enough cards where I can at least move some of that stuff to the point of what we talked about earlier. Even if I lose percentage wise, I'm probably not going to lose as much, but that's because the price point on it was much more palatable over a much greater number of boxes. So I was able to spread my risk. I got more spins of the wheel for a lower price versus two hobby boxes where the only thing I'm guaranteed is 12 young guns. Do I get the one that I want? I don't know. We'll does, see. Does Series 1 and 2 have anything else to offer uh, yearly? I mean, do they have autographs? Do they have, you know, uh, patches and jerseys? Or do they just the have... Jerseys like, and patches are gone. Jerseys yeah. and patches are gone. Right. So they're only in the Autographs are... So... I think they've got one or two autograph subsets, but it's become very hard to pull those. Right. And and so you're getting the inserts, these other inserts that... Yeah, and parallels. And not super exciting to collectors anymore. UD Portraits doesn't excite you? UD Portraits is just horrible. And so is, and so is uh, the teacher's pet. It's just horrible. See, what you need, Eric, the problem is, you know, for Bastion of Positivity, I got to be honest, Brandon, I'm not feeling the Bastion of Positivity-ness coming off of Eric for this one. I'll, I'll just not feeling it. I'll continue to work harder. Well, yes, you should. I mean, they they have the clear I'll, I'll actually show a couple while we're talking about it. I'll just show a couple. So there's they your have base. The clear your cuts, young but nobody really care about them for the veterans, you know? It, it's essentially young guns or bust. Eric's favorite. Oh, we got the portraits God. on our own. Just brutal. The Dazzles uh, are I, nice, but they're cheap. They are, yeah. So you got these deep roots. Uh, it says ecliptic. I want to say like eclipse. It, so it like just eclectic. says Jason Robertson, I believe. 
<laughs> I believe it says more than that, but yes. Uh, so you got that. <laughs> he got fluorescence and highlighters. Come on, oh, highlighters. So oh. those, I don't know about that design, but I will say those are also two cards that they look really nice, but they do. Like they don't have any value. They don't have a the collector's base for them is, or the the want of them is very slim. They're very nice looking cards though. Yeah. So oh, real quick, I'll read it since we were talking about it here for folks that are listening to audio version. So we're just looking at series two configuration. We're looking at the sell sheet, the spec sheet on it and just looking at a couple of the inserts. So here's what a box break on average is going to be. So I'll give you the average box break. You're going to get 10 director of boards, uh, ecliptic, instinctive and or PCs cards. Some of the inserts we talked about and some other stuff I didn't see on here. Six young gun cards, so box break on average. So six young guns per box break on average. So every two packs or, get, or so, give or take. Six honor roll and or UD portrait cards, Eric's favorites. We got four UD canvas cards on average. Three deep roots, two director boards, ecliptic, instinctive, and or PC sparkle parallel version. Sparkle mm -hmm. parallel, come on. All right, so we got that. One base set, a clear cut parallel, UD canvas, black and white parallel, or fluorescent red card. One Outburst Parallel, Veteran or Young Gun, one Monster Season or Glaring card, one Blue Dazzler card, and one Wild card, which can include all rare ratio to numbered cards. That is what you are guaranteed per box on average. Now, I don't want to get too deep into this portion of the conversation because I've done this before. But from a value perspective, I'll just put it this way. When you've got so many, it goes back to a discussion we have had on the live stream, for sure. If you've got so many, it's nice when someone is opening packs to feel like you don't have too many packs that are just all base. The problem is this works best for breakers, really, because then it makes people feel like they're getting something out of it. But the problem is when you stuff it with enough inserts, the inserts become glorified base, unless they happen to be the right ones. If you pull the, the good one, then all right, everybody's excited. But when you're pulling an insert in every single pack, then it's not nearly as exciting <laughs> because you know you're going to get an insert well, there are so many inserts available in abundance that it's like, okay, you know, if you're collecting that team or that player, well, then I'm wonderful for you. It gives you something to chase after, but there's one in virtually every pack. There's only 12 packs. I talked about how many you're getting. It's like, add it all up. You're getting six Yagas, you're getting 10 of these, four of these, three of these, two of these. There's only 12 packs in the box. <laughs> so mathematically, you're probably getting a couple of, you could probably get a young gun and one of these inserts in a pack. That probably might happen a couple of times. Well, there you go. How special is the pack then? So you got the young gun and you got an insert. How excited are you? I guarantee if you get a Connor Bedard outburst parallel, one of the nice ones or one of the numbered ones, hey, that's gonna be that's gonna be a big hit. That's a that's a good one. But um, most people won't, and they won't get a base one either. No, most people won't. No. So you're gonna be uh, on the outside looking in, and you pay three hundred dollars for every spin of that wheel. That's a very expensive wheel to spin. I would sit, I would hold that money and just wait for other people to, to do the dirty work and then buy it from them for, at maybe a little bit more. Um, but you know, you're getting what you paid for. It takes the gamble out and maybe you have to pay you know, a little bit more, but you didn't waste any money. It's all going to the thing that you want. And there's, you know, there's, thinking about it, this is, this sounds crazy, but it, and I, I could be way off if the, if the hype goes through the roof and who the hell knows what the prices will be. Instead of spending the money to buy a case, you could probably save the money and buy 
the future watch. And then you have a numbered autograph. On-card autograph. No, I agree. Hey, look, if but that's what I said. Historically, I gave those... The, the hockey world has three. And that isn't to say there aren't more. Of course there are more. But there are three that most people look at as the pillars on the hockey hobby. The Young Gun is one. But there are going to be plenty out there. We, we just talked about that. There are going to be plenty... If you're willing to wait past release and oh, people opening boxes and things, give the give the market a chance to cycle through them a little bit. You can probably get your hands on one. You can go to a card show, especially if you're in Canada. You can go to a card show and you're going to have plenty of chances to pick one up at a table. They're going to be out there. Number two, your future watch auto. And number three, your cup card. We don't know when the cup card is going to come out. So your future watch is going to be your next pillar, staple, kind of traditional uh, rookie card that people do chase after and there are 999. So, and it's a decent quantity. It's, it's at least number. There is a little bit of a cap. It's not an infinite number or a seemingly infinite number, but, and it's also an autograph to your point. So if you're going to chase and yeah, you'd probably be able, yeah, you'd save money instead of buying a case. You could probably just buy one or two of those and probably hang on to it. It would probably be a better return on your investment. Right. That, that's, to have I was sitting here thinking about it and I was like 3,600 bucks. I mean, I don't know what it would be, but realistically I would think it would be under $3,600 for his damn future watch. If, no, if nothing you else, you'd put a pretty good chunk into this, it. If nothing that. else, you'd put a pretty, pretty good chunk into it. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'll, so. I'll leave one more thought here kind of, because we didn't get a chance to touch on it as much and I don't want the, I don't want the episode to go too long, but we'll, we'll touch on it again. The next time we have a chance to discuss this with either a card shop owner or someone who can give a little bit more uh, information into this side of it. Before we started recording, we talked about the whole upper deck certified diamond dealer. So we talk about the distribution side. We, we talk about that a lot because they're obviously they're a middleman in between manufacturer, distributor, card shop, end user. Oftentimes, sometimes there's more, but generally speaking, here's your cycle. You can be a certified diamond dealer with Upper Deck as an example. Obviously, Fanatics has got its own thing going on, but this is one of the key pieces. Generally speaking, you don't get as much product if you're a certified diamond dealer, but you might. But one of the things that has been historical, and if it changes, we can talk about it, that's fine. But one of the key pieces is that you had requirements. You had to have a brick and mortar storefront retail location, which is fair. You know, that's fine. That's one of their requirements. That's okay. You cannot sell sealed hobby products online for the first 180 days of release. And there are additional stipulations on top of that. So you think, it goes back to what I said earlier, and I don't want you to feel bad for card jobs because at the end of the day, as the end consumer, you don't need to care. But I'm simply pointing out this is part of the ecosystem that's broken. So let's say you become a certified diamond dealer. So you can actually get the product directly from Upper Deck without the distributor middleman. This is awesome. How much allocation do you actually get? Not necessarily as much as you want, but you got a stipulation. You can't sell it online for the first 180 days. In other words, when the product is hot and it just arrived and people want to buy it, if they want to buy it online from you, you're not supposed to sell it to them. You're not supposed to give an online price. There are rules. And if you violate those rules, then you get cut off. Or you can go for the distributor who may have more allocation for you, but you may be at the mercy of restocks and you may be at the mercy of, hey, you want that allocation that you got last year? You're also going to have to buy this. But I can't sell that. You're going to have to buy it. It would be unfortunate if your allocation got cut. Really unfortunate. That's a broken system. It's a very broken system. And unfortunately, it's not new. It didn't get developed in the in, in the in the boom period. This was going on decades. And there's a reason it's, it's a very cash-heavy business to try to be a card shop. 
And I feel bad for the folks that started card shops during the boom period who are now discovering what it's like when you cannot move the product fast and you're sitting on it and you had to put this cash out and there's more product coming and there's another cycle of products that are going to be coming soon and you need more cash for that. How do you intend to make that happen when this product is gathering dust on the shelf? That's going to be a credit cash liquidity crunch that is going to knock out a lot of these uh, card shops in the next couple of months to next couple of year or two. That's going to affect the rest of the ecosystem all the way through, all the way down the chain. And when Fanatics does their piece, and we'll we'll talk more about it down the road, but just because Fanatics is operating as their own distributor doesn't mean they can't mark up the price on the boxes too. That means your margin is still small. It doesn't change anything. It's it just now, you know, we got rid of the old boss. Welcome the new boss, same as the old boss, just with a different, you know, um, coat of paint. Something to throw in, and I know this is towards the end, so I don't even know how many people sure. will hang around and listen to this, but you mentioned fanatics something to throw out there um that i experienced just this week and i'm waiting to get a follow-up call but just to give us a heads up to everybody uh if you have a redemption be very very cautious with uh redeeming it with top slash fanatics because um i called to check back in on the four that i have that are outstanding this week because i hadn't heard anything last time i checked was in august they told me they were going to fulfill my substitutions. I still haven't had anything. Um, I was offered $50 in store credit to appease my substitution requests because it had been so long. Um, I kind of laughed at the woman and told her it wasn't her fault, but um, yeah, 50 bucks was kind of a slap in the face. Uh, I asked to speak with a supervisor who she said she couldn't, that she would have email. A lady did actually call me um, who was up higher up in the chain, and she is investigating to see what they can do because she realized what their website said isn't what they're offering. Um, so, But just be very careful out there because um, they're offering $50 store credit for redemption substitutions so. I, I think we should have a whole episode on redemptions because i could talk about it for hours perhaps we'll yeah. yeah we're definitely going to touch on some of these topics for sure and if there's something like that you'd like us to touch on then we'll also especially if it's something related to some of the ones where we can reach out to some folks we'll try to do that because we also want to get their angle on it as well because it's only fair to let them uh, add their additional piece uh, we can offer our opinions so like everything that i talked about here tonight a lot of it is from talking to folks who have had the chance to experience it from different levels. I talked about that diamond dealer thing. That's still on their website. Now, if somebody wants to say, oh, that's changed, no problem. That's fine. Let me know. But that's still on their website right now. It's upperdeckstore.com. You know, become a certified diamond dealer. When I look at it, that's where I'm getting it from. That's where I'm getting it from today. So I'll leave a link to that in the description for you. If they change the verbiage or change the conditions, they only give a handful of stipulations here. That may change as time goes on. I'm sure, I'm sure it will if they get enough feedback about it. But that's the way it's been. If you wanted to get access to direct product, it was for the longest time very difficult to get the direct account from the manufacturer. That started drying up years ago, and then it became the distribution model. Now Fanatics wants to kind of move away from the distribution model and take control of it for themselves. Understandable. But that means that now you have no one in between to blame. Now, whatever price you get, get it for, that's going to be Fanatics themselves doing it. And they're going to offer it to you whatever price. This is your allocation. This is the cost. You want it? Here it is. 
And that doesn't mean they can't do the exact same thing. Well, it's like, well, you got to buy this other stuff too. They're kind of showing their hand. Look at what just dropped Bowman Sapphire. What was that? 349, 379, something like that. A box direct to consumer. Yep. <laughs> Sapphire was cheap not long ago. It was a product yep. that they couldn't even sell out. Now they're asking nearly $400 for a box the size of a mega box. So that'll be the other piece of the puzzle. Going the direct to consumer model doesn't mean they have to lower the box price. It just means, or if they do, it just means they got a bigger piece of the cut and then completely cut out the uh, com- cut out the LCSs. But it still means that like the price you're paying is still going to be effectively the same or more depending on the product. It'll be an interesting time. There's a lot of things going forward ahead here. We're, we're going to see how that plays out. But like I said, I think the brokenness of it is going to become a more pronounced problem because of the lack of liquidity with the market slowing down. When things were flying off the shelf, it was a little easier to play this game and just cross your fingers and take the risk. But as soon as the, as soon as that wheel stopped moving and the momentum was gone and now it just grinded to a halt, all of a sudden now you're sitting on all this product you still have to buy. You can't get rid of it. What do you do? Do you blow it out? Do you fire sale it? But if you did, you lost money on this and now you got to buy more product. Well, you're going to lose money on that product too, waiting for the product where you do make some money and how much you're actually going to get. Is it enough to offset? All those products you had to buy at a loss, and we're barely able to get rid of. That's not a that's not a sustainable long term business model. Bringing it into five forty flips here as we wind up. So if Brandon went and sourced and he was buying something at hundred dollars all day long, and he can get eighty bucks for on eBay. How long does he stay in business? Well, if you keep doing that, eventually you'll get you'll pay hundred dollars to get something that gets two hundred. Yeah, but how many few of those were you getting for all those ones where you bought at hundred and sold at eighty? This is bad math. The math doesn't math. You can't be doing this for very long. Or else you yep. run out of money. Yep. Can't do it. Yeah. Well, unless you're sitting on uh, Eric like button money, which is then when you can do whatever you like. Just buy all the cases. All the cases. I think so, that's why the price went up. He was like ordering mm-hmm. them. They were like, does that really say 200? And they're like, buy oh, it now. the price has got to go up. We're running buy short. It buy it now. I see what's going on. Some late night shopping there the for me. I get for. it. Buy it now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Big baller. Mm-hmm. And on that bombshell, on that bombshell, we'll wind her down on this episode. We do have more to say about this, but we can spread it out into a couple of episodes and bring on, like I said, some other folks to add some additional information on that topic. But we'll talk about that. So first, Eric Sanderson Dor. You can check him out on Instagram. He will be the bastion of positivity for you in the year 2024. I look forward to that. Also, we've got Brandon, Bobbles and Ball Cards, and 540 Flips, the fastest <laughs> growing episodic flipping channel. Run by a guy named Brandon. Ha! Totally correct. You make it niche enough, it's true. Go ahead. Name me one. Name Run by a guy named Brandon that is going growing faster. Name me one. That's what I thought. 540 Flips on YouTube if you want to check that out. Bobbles and ball cards for the sports card, card side, side of it. And we're back on future episodes, hopefully. The Brett Favre. She'll smile upon us. And maybe... We'll have some fun round two matchups. So you got all our picks for round one. We're back for round two and see what the NFL narrative, the hashtag rigged, what the league gives us as far as the <laughs> script is concerned for round two. We'll see. That'll be very exciting. So we're back on that. Like if you like the video, if you're checking out on the YouTube, if you could do that, that'd be great. Comments are appreciated and welcome because they give us some inter- additional information on what you like to see. If you got some things you'd like us to talk about, we can definitely look into that. And otherwise, 
More videos coming up on the channel. Live streams on Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where we are at least 5% less mature than we are in this venue. That's it for us. We'll catch you in the next one.